as a pastor, there, there are times where the majority of the time as a pastor, I feel like it's my job to be a companion with you. Uh, meaning, the idea is that we're all walking along this, uh, this journey together with God. It's, it's not so much uh, that I know the direction at all times. It's not that I'm the, uh, the trail guy who knows uh, all the right paths and the right uh, things to do and and, uh, but there are certain moments where I feel like there are times where I do want you to really listen because there are, are things that I want to share with you which I think uh, can help you. And this morning is one of those. There are a few things that I am sure about. But this morning I am sure that if you can learn about Sabbath, it can change your life. Now that is a big, huge claim, and I'm not someone who likes to make these uh, big claims. I'm not someone who believes in formulas and three-step programs, and if you just do this, your life's going to be better. But there is one thing which I think is consistent in the Scriptures, but I think is, is from the heart of God, and it is learning how to rest. How to rest. So, when was the last perfect sick day that you got to have at home? Come on, just, just think about it. The last day that you were sick enough to stay home and that someone else took care of all of your responsibilities— but not so sick that you couldn't enjoy it. Okay, right? We're, okay, come on. When was the last time you had that moment? Where you're on the couch, you know, someone's went and got you food, you're watching movies or shows or whatever, and it's just this kind of a perfect balance, right? You're able to kind of have all the weight of your life off of you for one day, and everyone's okay with it, right? But, but yet you're not too sick to not enjoy it. There is a place in there where... It's almost like a guilt-free relaxation, okay? Now, in this room, there are some of us who are able to relax, and some of us can't. There's some of us who it comes more natural than others. But overall, I don't think there's anyone in this room who really knows how to Sabbath, who knows how to Sabbath rest. Now, obviously, I know we're going to unpack this a little bit, but there's something about resting which goes beyond just not working. See, Sabbath isn't just about playing, okay? Sabbath is even more than this. There's something about Sabbath where it's a space that we get into where we take off all of the worries and cares and weights and pressures and obligations of life, and we kind of just, we set them down for a minute. There's something beautiful about this place of Sabbath. Now, uh, last week we talked about in the garden how there is the first word from God. And the first word from God was not that we are broken or that we are cursed or that we are not good enough. It wasn't even to define us, uh, to define our work. The first word from God was good. The first word from God was affirming. It was love. It was acceptance. It was embrace. The first command of God was initially to just sit and be still, to accept His goodness. I think that one of the hardest things for us to do is to accept His goodness. As a pastor, there's, there's, there's basically one thing I do. For me, the reason that being a pastor is worth it is to help people grow up in Jesus. And the moment that I begin to feel like I'm failing at that, or even that it's impossible, my willingness to pastor begins to go down. I'm not interested in, in things that some people would be. And so for me, if I can help people grow, then it's worth it. And if I can't, it's not. And of all the things that I could teach and the scriptures and prayer and practices and all these different things, the hardest thing that I've noticed in all the years is this. How do we actually receive God's love? 
It's one thing to know, to hear it. He loves us. One thing to know, okay, you know, we're supposed to be, be founded in the love of God. Three of the songs this, this morning that we sang were about experiencing God's love, about knowing His love. Uh, the One Hill song, one that we sang, it was about this, the, the foundation of our lives being the love of God. That sounds terrific, but here's the issue. How do we actually experience God's love? I mean, how do we actually do that? In the old days, I used to think it was, I used to think if we could get the worship just right, if we dropped the temperature low enough to get goosebumps, and if everyone got really, really excited, there would be a moment where everyone would just feel good about themselves. Like, woo! And that's God's love, right? Or before that, I thought, man, if we just got quiet enough and we prayed enough and we just like hid from the world, there would be a space where we would just kind of connect with something that's bigger than us. Or I used to think, you know what, it's a matter of just study. If you would just study the scriptures, at some point, it would just click in your head and you would know that God loves you. But I've tried all of those and there's value in them, but I never quite found what I was looking for. See, there is a space that God has given us that, that only has one purpose to it. And see, Sabbath, Sabbath or this special type of rest is the one place that God's given us where the only purpose, the only thing that needs to get done in this space in life is to let God love on us. And so in the Scriptures, when you hear about the word Sabbath, what they're talking about is returning to a place that's like the garden. To return to a place where we are so close to God and that all the pressures and the burdens of life are laid down to where all that we have to do in that space is to receive His love, to allow it to kind of wash over us. But even with that, we, the more we think about it, like, again, how do we get to this space? What does it look like? I think the first way for us to begin to kind of dig it out, uh, how do we get there, is to, to ask ourselves, why is rest so hard for us? Why is it so difficult to slow down? How come it's so hard for us to relax? Who's ever gone... Uh, to a vacation. You guys went to Branson, you went to the beach, and you just, you were there, you had the lawn chair, you had the ocean, you're supposed to be relaxed, but you just couldn't turn it off. It's just something. You're not allowed to point at people, okay? Like, that's not allowed. If you'd like to raise your hand, there's a difficulty to fully let go. How about this? Um, do you guys have a friend where you're so close to this person? When they walk in the room, you don't feel any need to say, hey, how you doing? Or, hi, blah, blah, or, you know, just, there's just no need to perform at all when this person comes in because you guys are so close. You don't feel any demands from this person, right? When they come in the room, it's enough to just be in the room. That's all I feel the need to do. Right? When a stranger walks in the room, of course, and if you're trying to be nice, right, you feel the need to perform, correct? To put on a small, hey, how you doing? How's your day going? We just did the meet and greet, right? How many people did you greet without saying a word? The odds are is that there are a couple people in the room who you're close enough to where it's just a look or a glance or something like that, and it was all you need to do to make that connection, right? Now, there are two people who you are not close enough to to handle being alone in a room and not performing, not acting, not putting on a show or a face. The first person who you do not know 
well enough. It's yourself. You do not know how to be alone with you. Secondly, you do not know God enough to be alone with God and not put on the show. There is a, there's something about being alone which begins to, to kind of allow everything inside of us to kind of creep to the top. There's something about being alone with someone else that just draws things out of you which wouldn't come out in other situations. And there's something about being alone with God that allows all of our insecurities to begin to rise to the top. Here's one more kind of a grand statement for you guys this morning, okay? Every problem in your life, every major problem in your life stems from this. Every major problem in your life stems from your pursuit to get love, affirmation, and acceptance. If you have any addiction in your life, here's the cause. If you have any broken relationship in your life, here's the cause. If you have any type of imbalance in your life, if work gets too much, if your kids get too much, here's the cause. If you deal with anxiety or depression or sleeplessness, if your nerves are shot, here is the cause. Every major issue which we deal with in life comes from our need to receive love, affirmation, which just means to be embraced for exactly who we are, and acceptance. So what happens in life is this. The garden tells us this. It tells us that because of these choices that took place, from here on out, every one of our needs will only be met through toil, which just means endless work, right? To work yourself to the bone. And so in this story, it tells us about physical needs being met. But I take it farther. What I see is a world that is now dependent on the only way that you will receive maybe the physical things you need, maybe money or food, but even the emotional things you need. Love, acceptance, embrace. Everything in your life that you need the most, your very fundamental needs, now take toil and effort and work. Now your spouse is amazing, aren't they? Okay, your, your best friend is amazing. Okay, we'll say that. But did they just pop into your life and love you? How much work went into that relationship? You don't have to tell us the years... The dollar figures, right? The hours on the phone, right? But there's a lot of investment that went in trying to get this person to like you. Come on, let's be honest. I mean, some of us work harder than others, but I'm just, you know. There's effort that went involved to getting this person to give you love, to accept you, right? It wasn't free. It wasn't easy. It took toil. It took work. Is there a point in marriage where you get to stop working on it? (laughs) It will be endless toil. (laughs) Thank Adam and Eve, okay? It's all their faults, okay? With your children, they are amazing, beautiful gifts from God, right? If you stop working on that relationship right now, their love for you will wane. How does that feel? It will wane. If you stop working for it, it will go away. There's no one in this life who will love you if you stop working for it. Cheery yet, 
But there are two people who we need to love us without working for it. See, Sabbath is the place where we go to a quiet setting with God. And we learn, to, we learn what it is to be loved without work. We learn what it is to love, to be loved, to be accepted without having to earn it. We learn what it is to, to be fully embraced, to be fully brought into the closest circle of, of affection without doing anything to deserve it. We learn what it is to be loved for just being, just because we're there. And it is this place that begins to, to slowly soak into us. It, it soaks into our emotions, into our mind. And at some point, this begins to flow into a second person. Because see, after we learn to allow God to love us, we begin to learn how to love us. The only two people in your life who you must, must learn to allow to love you without any strings attached is God and yourself. I want you to hear me on this again. Every single destructive thing in your life, in your friendships, in your marriages, in your families, comes from the fact that you do not love yourself. Everything. It all comes back to that. Every single thing that causes damage to people you love the most in your life comes from this fundamental place of not knowing how to be loved without trying to be someone or something we are not. Trying to perform, trying to earn, trying to work for it. You cannot just show up at a business and instantly be successful. You have to work for it. Right? Everything in this life has a price tag attached to it. Every single thing. And because every single, everything in this life has a price tag, everything in this life is a competition. Everything. One of the biggest reasons I hate being a pastor, it is competitive. There's a sweet church opening up in Fort Smith right now. Do you know how many churches are happy about Life Church opening up this morning? Nobody. Sweet building, it's around the interstate, awesome lights, good worship leader. Nobody's happy about that. Because now... I'm going to have to fight for love, for affirmation, and for acceptance. And every single butt in the chairs tells me how much of that I'm getting. And so now I'm going to begin to make decisions and choices and put, invest my emotions and my money and my energy to fight for love, affirmation, and acceptance. Here's just one example. But this happens in every part of your life, with every person in your life, we, even with your children. You are competing for your children's love and attention. The older they get, the harder it's going to be. If you want to compete with, the, with school, with, you know, with my son, it's, you know, he learned about Derek Jeter this week. Okay? And so it starts out by going, Derek Jeter's the greatest player, and blah, 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 history. And he just looks at me like, 
well, are you Derek Jeter? <laughs> like, well, you're a pastor, but Derek Jeter's the best baseball player in history. And so I had to read 32 pages about how awesome Derek Jeter is. Come on, that's sad. Oh. And so like the entire time he's going, I wanted to be a pastor, but now I think I want to be a baseball player for the Yankees. Everything in your life, you are fighting and pulling and scrapping to get more. If your life is about fighting and scrapping, there will always be casualties in your life. Always be casualties. You, will, you are not able to protect your best friends. You cannot protect your family. You cannot protect your children. You cannot protect yourself from the damage that will come when you begin to fight and scrap through life. Who's ever been in a fight before? Anybody? One person's like, I was in a fight, and I won. <laughs> right? Who lost the fight? <laughs> Anybody? Okay. How able are you to control what happens in a fight? The moment you've been, and again, I mean like a real scrap fight. Like you are, not like the Auburn game last night, but like a real fight. You know, like when you're actually in it, right? You can't control what's going to happen next. You can't. You have no idea who else is going to get hurt, what's going to get broken. You have no idea what's going to happen because you can only worry about yourself. When your life is about toil and effort and striving, you will always have casualties. You need to listen to me this morning. Until you learn how to rest, until you learn how to be content, you will always have casualties. With my sermons, I was almost in the same place. If you love Jesus and love your neighbor, awesome. And I've noticed this for the last few months. Okay, Devin, if everything about loving Jesus is about your neighbor, that's awesome and great, but how do we actually get to the place where we're able to do this thing? And in the Scriptures, there's always this kind of a hidden theme that goes on where it's like, well, see, it's going to be God's love in you that enables you to love people. And that sounds great, doesn't it? You know what? I'm going to ask you to love everyone in your life, but don't worry about how to do it. I'm going to give you all the love that you need. Amen. Does that sound good? That sounds good. Where do I go to the store to get that love? Where do I go to get that place? Now, see, the Gospel of John, he uses a different phrase. John always does that. He loves to, to take things that were very simple and clear to people, and he loves to, to turn them into this big kind of imagery. And so what John is doing is he takes the Sabbath concept, the idea of, of being in direct connection to God, having all of our needs met with God, have everything flow from God into us, and he calls it something else. He creates this metaphor of this, this vine and a branch coming off the vine. He says this, he says, if, if you do not abide in me, you are unable to bear fruit. I'll use this one. It's impossible for you to love people until you learn to live inside of my love. It's impossible for you to learn to follow me, to be like me, to obey me, to please me, until you learn how to live your life in me. And of course, John even says this. He says, it's impossible for you to do anything on your own. Did you guys catch that line? I love that line. It's like, well, hold on, John, because my entire church history has taught me the other thing. 
when you guys came to church, you were taught what? Pray, right? Read the Bible, right? And serve your butt off, amen? Or not? Okay. You were taught to make it happen. Go get it, baby. Grow in Christ. Pray more. Read your Bible more. There's a problem with this. I've read the Bible a lot. Did not make me love people. <laughs> At all. Man, people are stupid. <laughs> and I prayed a lot, but the more I prayed, just made me pray for these people. Lord, help. <laughs> help them. Help me. Help them. Yeah. It didn't do it for me. It, it, this, this, this connection to the love of Jesus, I just couldn't find it. Where is this to actually be found? Because I need it. And so what the scriptures tell us is that Sabbath rest is the place where we find this connection to God. I'm going to give you some more on this, okay? Here's what Sabbath is. Sabbath rest is the beginning of our lives being found and defined by the love of God. Meaning, this is where growth in Jesus begins. When I say Sabbath, I'm not talking about Sunday mornings. When I say Sabbath, I'm not even talking about a certain amount of time. We're not talking about that. When I say Sabbath, I'm talking about learning to set aside space in your life that is solely devoted to playing and praying. Get that. Playing and praying. There are many of you who know how to take a day off. There are many of you who know how to take family time. There are many of you who know how to take a vacation. That's called playing. That's very crucial and important and vital. Keep doing that. That's not Sabbath. Going to the lake with family is not Sabbath. That is crucial, important life investment into people. Keep doing that. If you have to skip a Sunday to go with your family to Branson, do it. That's okay. But that's not Sabbath. Sabbath is a combination of playing and praying. There's a difference here. If all I do when I try to rest is play, it will always become idolatry. Here's why. If my source of energy and strength is anything that's not directly God, or anything that I can begin to confuse as something other than God, if I believe that getting alone with my family is my primary way for me to find my energy and strength, at some point in time, I'm going to begin to elevate this over everything in my life. If I believe that my hobby is the primary way that I'm able to find my rest, if watching college football on Saturdays is the primary way, I will begin to elevate this over other things. It's called idolatry, an idol. If I believe that Sabbath rest is only prayer, and I begin to pray and pray and pray, here's what's going to happen. The problem with prayer alone is this. At some point, prayer becomes works. I begin to be convinced that God loves me because of how much I'm praying, how I'm praying, why I'm praying. In some way, shape, or form, the love of God becomes attached to an activity, to a performance. You don't understand. I used to spend six hours a day in prayer. How ridiculous is that? 
Apparently it makes sense to everyone. Would you like to do that? We can start tomorrow, you know, six hours a day in prayer every week at Grace Church. Sound good? It's stupid. Don't do that. You guys are silent today. I just gave you the off to not have to pray for six hours a day. At some point, it doesn't matter if I am feeding the hungry, if I'm fasting, if, if, if I am reading the scriptures, if I'm doing any activity, and I believe that that by itself is the way I find rest in God, it will always begin to create a works-oriented, meaning a love I have to earn. See, the moment I stop praying for six, for six hours a day, I began to feel a disconnection from God. Now, it wasn't even that I was being disconnected. It was that the only thing that made me feel confident about how much God loved me, when I was gone, when I was absent, all of a sudden my life began to fall apart. When I wasn't spending hours a day in the Scriptures, all of a sudden I began to feel as if I was afloat without God. And it wasn't because God wasn't present. It was because that was the only way I knew to tell myself God really loved me. See, Sabbath is a space of playing and praying because it's a place where I have no responsibility. There's no expectation. God is not asking me to pray. He's not even asking me to read the Bible. He's asking me to just be there with him. And from that place of just being, I feel no need to do anything, to perform, to earn anything. All of a sudden, a certain type of prayer will begin to come out of it. See, there's a conversation that I can have with Nisa when we are absolutely connected. It's ease. It just kind of flows out. I'm not working on it. I'm not thinking about it. It just kind of comes out. Now, there's times when we have to work and fight for it and fight, which is different. Amen? Come on, people. I'm telling you. There is a type of conversation that comes, that only comes when I feel that the other person needs or wants nothing from me. He just wants me to be absolutely myself in that moment. And that kind of conversation cannot come out in any other place. There's no other setting. It only comes out when I am around someone I feel completely safe with and I feel that there's nothing that I need to do to earn their love, their affirmation, or their acceptance. In the moment I begin to pray in that way, it will, in, it will begin to affect the way that I play as well. The way that I relax, the way that I enjoy myself, the way that I just enjoy life will begin to change when I am connected deeper to God. And it begins to flow back and forth. The way I talk to God changes the more that I relax and I be myself. The way that I relax and enjoy life around God, the more I talk to Him will begin to change. And this flow begins to just go back and forth inside of me changes me from the inside out. And over time, there's going to be a place where this flow begins to leave just that hour or that day or whatever it is that you set aside time for this. There's a place where we begin to learn to take this abiding, this being connected to God into other places in our lives. You have no idea what kind of marriage you could have if you actually loved yourself. If you were someone who was fully loved, and when you came into your marriage or you came into your relationship with your best friend, with your family, you had nothing to fight for. You weren't out for anything. You were just there to be, and you were just there to serve and to help. 
just there to love on, on your spouse or your best friend. You have no idea what type of relationship you could have if you were not out to scrap or fight for anything. If you had a room full of people who had nothing to fight for, had nothing to prove to anybody, had no agendas, we're all just here to be here together. You have no idea what we could have. None. All these self-help books about how to be a better Christian, how to be a better spouse, be a better parent. I'm telling you this. Find Sabbath. Learn to love yourself and everything else will flow out of that. I've preached hundreds of sermons. Hundreds. All sorts of lessons and Bible studies and small group discussions. I'm telling you, if you can learn to come to a place where you set aside a few hours a week where all you do is practice being and see what kind of conversation, what kind of prayer comes out of that and allow that to continue and to change the way that you relax and the way you talk and the way you relax and the way you talk and it will begin to transform you. Now what this looks like for you is going to be very different. It's going to look, like, it's going to look different for all of us. But this practice is universal. And so just... Three quick keys. I hate keys. I hate steps. I hate that, but it's important for this one. <laughs> Here's how to Sabbath, okay? Three steps. Show up and shut up. First one. Turn your phone off. Don't take it with you. Don't take any book or homework or responsibility. Take none of that with you. You're like, well, kids, can I take kids? <sighs> if you can find an hour a week to be alone, just try that. Show up and be quiet. Be still. Don't go down your prayer list or your needs or you know, apologizing for all your sins. Just learn to be present and be still. Learn in this place, once you are there, once you've shown up, once you have your mouth closed, play. Meaning, enjoy the time. What do I need to do to enjoy this time? And let natural conversation with God come out of being relaxed, of being in the moment, of enjoying this time that you have with God. And the last one is this. Don't try to make anything happen. Don't manufacture anything. I love my charismatic roots. There's so many things about that that I, I value and afford me and things that we, need, that we need to embrace here at Grace. But the worst thing about my charismatic roots was there's always a need to make it spectacular. It always needs to be special. We always need to have some kind of amazing encounter or experience, some kind of mind-blowing, emotional happening. Don't try to make anything happen in this space. You are learning to let yourself not be God in this space. To not be in control. Because see, what's going to happen is the moment that you're in this space, all of your problems and your worries and concerns and things that you would rather spend your time doing are going to begin flooding in. And your temptation is going to be to take control and to think about fixing things or about doing things or about trying to be present in other places. And what you're going to have to do is learn to let go of everything else. Learning to rest is learning how to let go of things. If you're someone who has to plan out your vacation, learn how to go into a space and do nothing. Might be painful as I'll get out for you. 
This is going to be the beginning of learning how to be rooted and founded in love. It's having a space in your life where you literally do nothing. And in that space, you begin to experience the deepest feeling of love that you'll ever have.